With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the next installment of the SUS News Podcast Series, where we interview newsmakers and discuss the news and applications relevant to the global unmanned technologies community. I'm your program host, Patrick Egan, and as we always do, let's welcome and bring on our co-host, Mr. Gene Robinson. Gene, you out there? Hello, Patrick. How are you, sir? Ready for Christmas and uh, ready for Santa Claus, or are you just going to be bah humbug? No, I'm 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 uh, full blown, ready for Christmas. Trees up, lights on the house. Um, you know, hoping for a mirrorless digital camera for Christmas. <sighs> it's me holding my breath. I've been naughty this year. Yeah. Just asked around. <laughs> Good luck with that. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, you know, today's show is going to be a big one. I don't know if you've seen some of that out there. The traffic on Twitter. People are excited. This is like. It's going to be the epic drone podcast, and it is um, Drone Conspiracy Theories Debunked 2017. So we have a lot on the, um, let's say, on the agenda for today. But I did want to do a little housekeeping before we bring the guests on. I wanted to recognize uh, 76th anniversary of Pearl Harbor today. Yep. Um, yes, it is. My, yes, my, my grandfather was actually there for the uh for the bombing and that's a funny story that i'll have to share you know some other time but uh i would say they were celebrating his birthday early but anyway the other thing i wanted to say is uh, this show um some of these topics some folks might say were controversial so i just want to say that the opinions discussed here today are are that just that their opinions and um you know so i guess we'll launch right in it today we're going to try something new it's an unrehearsed and hastily thrown together panel discussion about some of the big stories of 2017. And the esteemed panelists are uh, Kevin Finisteer, David Bovar, and Rob Thompson, of course, uh, Gene Robinson, but we already, uh, we already introduced him. So, gentlemen, uh, welcome to the uh, SUS News Podcast. Thanks, brother. I want everybody to talk at once. Yeah. Yeah, thank, thank you very, very much. much. Well, so, um, you know, most people already know who you guys are. Um, everybody's uh, pretty active on, on Twitter, which I, I kind of like the Twitter because I think it's a fast way to uh, get news and receive news. But people, I'm sure, already uh, know who most of you are, as most of you um, are, are mentioned in the news or quoted a lot. And I don't know if that's... Uh, just a coincidence or what, <clears throat> but uh, that's why you're on today's show. So uh, I'm going to go right out here, and uh, we're going to we're going to talk about the first one. 
And the first topic is uh, Year of the Drone. 2017, people were saying that it was supposed to be Year of the Drone. Gene, what happened? You know, there were just so many drones out there that uh, we couldn't take our pick. <laughs> okay. Uh, maybe that's uh, part of it. Kevin, <laughs> what do you think? Kevin, what do you think uh, happened 2017? Year of the Drone? Sounds like a line of marketing to me, but whatever. Uh, I think they, they're they still out there. They're still going to be here, and people will still keep making them. I don't know. <laughs> well, do you think we're going to hit that uh, 1.6 million drones in the NAS this year that the, like the FAA was talking about? Again, I'm I'm kind of hobbyist on a lot of that stuff. I don't really care about a lot of those numbers personally. Um, the, the scene hasn't changed much for me personally in the past eight years. The numbers may be rising. Uh, the only real difference is there's a lot more ready-to-fly stuff and you know, lots more people with lack of skill uh, in the airspace. And common sense, I'm going to add on there. David, what do you uh, what do you think? What year of the drones? Sure. What happened? What's going on? Um, I think the problem is that drones were a flash in the pan, sexy, and that really for drones to be successful, a whole lot of other things need to be successful. Artificial intelligence, machine learning, sensor platforms, all the rest of this stuff. And, you know, I think AI is going to be what's going to be sexy in the year of next year, and drones are just a pickup truck or a vehicle for all that other cool technology. I'd concur with that. I do, uh, I mean, and I I do kind of talk about this often, but, uh, you know, so many people, my drone's autonomous, you know, and I'm like, really, it's, it's self-aware? Well, no, but, you know, I push the button on the cell phone app, and it flies around, and it does its thing, you know, I'm like, okay, get back to me later. Rob, what happened? Year of the drone. <laughs> Year of the drone. Let's see, uh, DJI quit making their phantoms, and uh, I told everyone back in January in a tweet, uh, rest in peace. <laughs> You think so, huh? That's it. I don't know. A lot of people, you know, were out there talking about, you know, in, in 2016, oh, you know, it's up 250% year to year. They're selling them like hotcakes. I mean, I thought it was kind of ironic, you know, end of 2016, we got, um, you know, the 107 and then 3D Robotics basically goes out of business a week later. And then we just kind of rolled into 17. And I think it uh, the air was kind of out of the balloon, but that's what I think. I don't know. You know, see what happens here rolling into 18. So topic number two, you know, um, topic number two is drone deliveries. And I think when, uh, you know, I've said this before, when uh, Amazon came out on, you know, uh, I think they said it on Black Friday or the day before Cyber Monday. And they were like, we're going to deliver, you know, Amazon packages with drones and Everybody went nuts and thought it was a great idea, and the guy probably made more money with drones than most people will dream about in their lifetime. Um, Gene, drone deliveries, we got nuts and yet. What, what's the problem? Who, how come people aren't on board? You know, I think it's going to happen. I really do. I think 18, you're going to start seeing more and more drone deliveries. Uh, I, You know, again, we made some predictions last show, but I feel right. like this one's going to happen. There's enough money behind it. Uh, the technology is getting better. You know, Mercedes-Benz did 100 out of 100, so they're ready to go. They're safe. They know everything about it. So I think it's going to happen. I really do. Now, it's hard for me to tell if you're being sarcastic 
are genuine. And I know you a long time. <laughs> I'm being genuine. Oh, okay. Here, let me. I'm going to make a note of that right here. I'm marking that down. Gene's <laughs> being genuine. All right, Kevin. Drone deliveries. Now I know you're in an area you like burritos as much as the next guy. What do you think? So the the funnest thing about drone delivery for me is how they're going to counter theft and people that just want to mess with <laughs> doing it. And uh, the, the one thing that you know comes to mind. I don't know if you guys remember the movie uh, Rotor DR1 uh, by Chad Capper. And uh, in, in that, there was a scene in which, well, multiple scenes in which they're trying to capture drones that are autonomously flying, running their daily routines. Uh, they're, they're some of the only things left with power uh, in the world. And so what they're doing is they're like chucking nets things to knock them out of the air and steal their rare power supplies. Um, so that's, that's just what the whole drone delivery uh, idea makes me think of, is how can I knock these things out of the air and take what's on them? Um, you know, more of the, the, the back alley kind of counter UAS stuff, um, you know, or the people that are going to, you know, try to maliciously take advantage of the fact that these flights are out there. Well, it's definitely more exciting than the uh, the way people are doing it now. They're just stealing packages off the porch, you know. I think it kind of ups the skill level game a little bit, you know, that you're trying to, uh, <laughs> let's say, commandeer the flying package. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I still think there's a lot of issues. I, I think there's liability issues. I definitely believe people will be trying to uh, uh, not only get the package, but a, you know, shiny new drone. Uh, so I think that's something to think about. David, drone delivery, what, think are, what are you is, thinking? I think this is very much in line with the problems with counter UAS solutions and a lot of other things relating to drones is that the fundamental technology is not that hard. The problem's regulation, and it's not regulation just at the federal level, but state and local level. And Kevin's point is a classic example of it. It's like, you know, the problem really is, hey, we can't, we can deliver the packages to your doorstep, but how are we going to make sure that that whole thing operates safely and securely? And there's no easy solution to that. No, and I, you know, I still think we have some other issues too with the, uh, you know, meantime between failures. But you know, it's me, Rob. You get yeah, your burrito uh, yet? Uh, no, thanks. Um, so I've got two points to make on drone delivery. Nothing new here. Uh, pulled out an article from the 70s in the Thompson Vault. Said they were going to do package delivery like the very next day. <laughs> and that's the 70s. So we still have the same problem. It's a comm links issue. We don't have secure enough comms to make certain everything's going to um, navigate well. And then the, the second point is drones are sexy. And uh, everyone's pushing for that method, but what about, like, the rolling robot through an urban environment that can lift 300 pounds? So I know some people that um, order on Amazon dog food, and uh, the guy has to carry it up, like, three flights of stairs. So every, like, couple months or so, they leave him a gift card or something in the box there for him, you know, just to be nice. So why wouldn't I have a robot do that instead? Because it can go through all the weather conditions. You know, the creed of the postman always bring up. You, you don't have any of that so. So <laughs> I don't see it happening anytime soon. Jeez, Debbie Downer over there. I'm thinking, you know, I got my Pico de Gallo coming. I'm looking out the window now. Nothing. All right. Well, <laughs> I'm kind of in the same. I, I think it's, uh, it's, there's a lot of obstacles 
And, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I see it as, you know, the drone thing, we were supposed to save the world and uh, it came down to burrito delivery. But, what, you know, whatever. I think in some areas it'll probably work, but uh, we'll have to see what's going on uh, as time progresses. But I, I do, I, maybe I'm wrong, but I thought there was, you know, I know you got the 70s thing going there, Rob, but I thought somebody was like 2017, 2018, Amazon was going to be delivering. It was like money in the bank. Or bitcoins in the on the hard drive. I don't know. We'll see what happens. All right. The next one I want to talk about is the uh, bipolar political advocacy. And one in general that I want to talk about is uh, Brian Wynn's Politico quote. And he was talking about they sent uh, Trump a letter that they were all happy about this pilot program. And but uh, Politico kind of called him on the carpet because he said they were vociferously opposed to any deviation from FAA control of the airspace. Um, everybody was talking about, hey, the industry groups have pleaded and we're waiting for the administration to let the drone advisory committee task force finish its work first, which we will talk about later. Um, and basically saying that the drone pilot program wasn't going to work. Um, you know, I've been saying for a long time that the uh, political advocacy is uh, not so bueno. It seems misguided, disjointed. You got people like this, um, you know, saying that they represent the community and, and, and basically talking out of the side of their face, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, it doesn't even make any sense. Gene? What do you say? Well, saying? you know, you went, on, you went on a nice long diatribe there for me, too, because, um, you know, the the whole UAS integration program is, is essentially the flight excellence centers part do. Uh, and I think it's going to end up being kind of a time suck on just about everybody who happens to be blessed with uh, participating in that. And uh, you're going to see a lot of, a lot, a lot more money playing into the game. And, and that's what is driving this entire thing is, is the money side of it. So, that's kind of my take on it, and uh, whoever has the most money wins, and unfortunately, that's not going to be me. Oh, my God. Well, you're a winner in my book, and I'm being sincere. <laughs> I bet you are. Uh, I know somebody today I saw, that, you know, they've got uh, the Facebook group going uh, for the pilot program, which is a hoot. I go in there, and I, 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 I laugh so hard at some of the posts, I, I feel like I want to throw up on myself. Uh, I saw one this morning that was like, who's the, um, who's the, the, the lead uh, interested party for San Francisco? And I'm thinking to myself, after that those WAPO article in the mayor's letter, <laughs> they got a snowball's chance in hell out there of being one of the drone pilot program cities, in my estimation. Well, who knows, though? You know, maybe uh, New Year's and all bygones will be bygones, but that's what I think. Um, Kevin? Any any comments on the the uh, political advocacy that you've been seeing? Yeah, you just yeah. Generally speaking, the the politics stuff I don't really comment on. But uh, the the thing that I have found interesting is there seems to be people that are uninformed at the technical level that are speaking <laughs> out as tech matter experts, um, and that's a little frustrating to watch uh, that sort of commentary happen when people have clearly not engaged actual subject matter experts. Well, I feel your pain, Kevin. Yeah, I think you're hitting, uh, man. You're hitting. You're 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 hitting it like that. Uh, you know, the big drum and the marching parade there. 
Um, I think you're totally correct. These, these people get out there, they show their, you know, yeah, and I've been flying the drone for about eight months now, and uh, I'm the lead applicant for, you know, Podunk, wherever. And so people contact me and let's get this thing together. And I'm just thinking to myself, you know, this is just so complex. Um, well, or maybe it's easy. You know, maybe we'll see that uh, airspace program that Amazon trotted out at the NASA UTM thing, where 200 feet and below is for you and everything above that's for them. I don't know. But it is funny. So you don't, you don't get any comic relief out of that, Kevin? Is it all kind of like, you know, makes you... Uh... <laughs> it's frustrating. I mean, the drone the, the ID... Uh, remote identification or whatever you want to call it is the recent frustrating one for me. Um, I obviously made a lot of commentary on Twitter about my opinion of the security aspects of certain ways that you could implement that. Um, And I I really didn't have any ability to influence short of uh, complaining on Twitter or signing up as a DAC member or whatever, um, which was just completely out of scope for me as an individual. Uh, So, to, to see one of the first implementations come out uh, and, and literally fall right into the template of some of the things that I had piped up may be issues. It's just like, who's, who did you guys engage to look at this stuff? Um, the, there was a laundry list of, of attestations on security and of the implementation that were made that were just completely inaccurate. And the people that, receive that information are equally lacking in technical ability and they don't know any better short of to say, Oh, okay. Big company XYZ said that this is going to be secure and this is the best option for doing this. So yeah, that's great. So it's just frustrating. (laughs) Okay. Well, so I get some comic relief out of it, but I'm frustrated too. I, I know what you're saying. And then so uh, before I make any more comments on background on that, I'll let David jump in here. David, so uh, what, what do you think about some of this political advocacy and, you know, how people are pushing for, for different things and registration and, and ID and tracking and all the rest of it? What do you think? I think that you all already nailed it really well. I mean, it's an incredibly complex issue. And society and Congress and our government in general really does not handle complex issues, particularly in a timely fashion at all well. I mean, if you ever try to talk to Congress, I mean, there might be technically savvy people in the staff, but trying to get people to even understand what email is, much less cryptocurrencies or, you know, any sort of cybersecurity issues is a very difficult challenge. And so we're, we're speaking in sound bites, and we're not going to get down to the level of detail where Kevin's thoughtful and very well-researched and experienced opinions are really going to carry any weight. And then another thing that you all said that I absolutely agree with is that money talks at this point. We're looking at the really big firms and the ones that have joined with even larger firms carrying an enormous amount of weight. And if this government, if this administration is really all about supporting business and particularly small business, there's got to be a way to get small and medium-sized businesses in this game and not having them sitting on the sidelines waiting for the very big companies to sort of lay out exactly what we're going to do and then maybe, maybe, maybe carve out a space where the small players can actually be successful. Mm. Rob. 
Would you, would you go get a Rob glass is of being water? historically silent. Sorry, sorry about that. Um, That's you on mute. Um, <laughs> let's see here. These uh, bipolar political statements are uh, par from a course from these folks that are uh, uneducated in uh, certain aspects. And I'll say that uh, aviation's tough. And when I look at research uh, teams um, that have been put together by large-scale companies, um, you can obviously tell they don't know what they're what they're doing. Um, they're setting themselves up for mistakes. And uh, now we're beyond the time of, uh, you know, free advocacy and even million-dollar campaigns. Now it's going to be acts of Congress and uh, big million-dollar players, um, you know, squeezing out all the small business that probably had it all solved. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would agree with that. I, okay, so, you know, I wanted to save my comments for last with the ID and tracking art, but, you know, you've had people throw out, you know, what I would call cockamamie ideas. And a few years ago, you had uh, Mike Toscano from ABVSI. Oh, you know, we'll have SIM chips in the drones. Or I think it was ABVSI that was touting this. Somebody was. So now the cell phone companies jumped in here, and they're like, whoa, $82 billion industry. And they're licking their chops and the troughs, you know, full of slop. And they're coming in, and they, they think, well, you know, we have the solution for UTM. And they're pushing hard on this one now. They want every drone to have a SIM chip in it, and it'll be part of the UTM and all the rest of that stuff. Then you have the other OEMs in there. No, wait, we have the solution. It's a you know system that we bought to solve a problem that we created, but we want to sell you this. You know, so uh, people are kind of in there fighting to market their solution as the solution for um, you know. These problems and 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 unmanned traffic management system, the cell phone apps and the, you know, the UTM associations. It, it's really a big mess. And I'm going to go back to you know what both Kevin and David said. You know, really complex, lots of issues that people are just glossing over. That they're sitting around in these committee meetings and uh, talking about uh, stuff that they know very little about. And going back to David's point regulating um, or, or dealing with the federal government trying to regulate technology, very difficult. As he aptly stated, they do not understand technology. And so it's very hard to uh, kind of get across what needs to be done. I will also say, though, that um, watching that uh, House Sub, uh, Transportation Subcommittee, um, people, are, people are starting to get educated on the um, issues, and it also seems that uh, I think they're sharing in some of the frustration that uh, Kevin had mentioned earlier. Anybody want to comment on that? I love it when I yell at chat like that. Well, I mean, you know, those are just some views. But uh, any comments on, on what I said? Am I, am I, you know, out to lunch, uh, kind of on target? No, you're, you're on target. Uh, I mean, people are coming, people are coming up to speed on the technology when you're getting down to the subcommittee level and when you're starting to get staffers and people who are actually interested in that particular issue. And that sort of forum is incredibly important for regulation. It's important for visibility in terms of getting our messages out. And it's important in terms of seeing what position some of these big companies we're talking about are taking and having them go on the record as having said X, Y, or Z. Because Transparency 
and then being able to hold people accountable for what they say they're going to do or what their motivations are or what they're going to contribute is really important. And the other thing, just very quickly, is that you're absolutely right that a lot of people are seeing a very large pot of money available here and then trying to retrofit their existing solutions for some other problem to this one and saying, hey, you know, we've been doing this for a decade in this other sector. We're going to solve your sector's problem. Yeah, and, and it goes back a little bit to what Rob was saying, though, too. Is, is I mean, I think it's kind of a different kettle of fish. It's It's aviation, and usually there's this, like, high standard uh, with aviation. And it seems like the new crop of drone folks and cell phone advocates and the rest of them are like, well, we don't, we don't understand what you're talking about over there, but this is what we've got. And I think they just kind of gloss over the reliability issues, the security issues, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Or they don't think it applies to them. That's one of the things that uh, we're still fighting is people don't recognize that we are flying in the airspace, the national airspace. And a lot of people out there that, like you say, the cell phone flyers and those guys that don't worry about, you know, taking over manual control, they're, they're thinking it doesn't apply to us. We're just out here having a good time making pretty pictures. So, right. you know, kind of a harsh reality there. Well, and I, and I agree with that. I think we're we're hitting all the points. Um, all right. Well, you know, let's let's move on to uh, topic number four. And I got to make a note of that. But uh, it's the Chicoms are what I'm calling it. And people are like, oh, you know, you're you're, you're anti Chinese and you're anti DJI and you know. Okay, so I'm gonna I have to throw a disclaimer in here. My version of ChaiComs has two M's, so it's a Chinese communications. One, I do not dislike the Chinese. I, I, I like the Chinese. I think they're over there. They're killing it. I mean, if you look at their, what they've done with their economy and their country and all the rest of that, I have lots of Chinese students, smart as a whip. They're dedicated. Um, so I am not anti-Chinese, and I am not anti-DJI. I think most people on this uh, show would agree with me that the the DJI product at the D, at the price point that they're selling them, I, I and I say it over and over again, if the PR, the public policy, and the advocacy was on par with the products, we'd have a totally different um, political landscape as far as I'm concerned and the way I see it. Anybody want to add to that? I would concur with you. No. <laughs> okay, who got the special effects button? It wasn't me. Oh, I'm going to say that was Kevin. Was that you, Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, that, was, that was good. You got me on that one. <laughs> oh, all right, Gene, go ahead. You, you were saying. On a more serious note, I mean, it, it has a, a geopolitical reach that we, we need to discuss here. And, and it may be that, look, I've been to Shenzhen. I've been to Kwangdong. I, 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 I like the people as well. I mean, I was treated absolutely wonderfully while I was there. Ate well. There was uh, really no animosity towards me at all, other than the fact that I was about a foot taller than everybody else. It made me kind of look freakish. But um, the, the the problem is, is that the Chinese government, can 
sample, if you will, all the things that are out there. Certainly, the the DJI can say we we don't share any of the data, but they just don't secure their servers, so the government can go in and just look for themselves. So that's all one thing, and we've got to look at it from the standpoint of you know militarily they're they're moving, and we have to be concerned about that. So. It's, well, a, it's a bigger thing than just the PR for DJI, and, and I will be the first to commend DJI on their equipment, use it a lot, have saved lives with it. So I have no issues with their equipment, just everything else that kind of surrounds the, the whole data thing is a bit of a problem. Well, I, and I would concur with that. Um, you know, it, it, it was – I was – labeled as a conspiracy theorist about this Chaikons thing. Multiple drone news sites, oh, this guy's a nut, he's wearing the tinfoil hat, he's he's a conspiracy theorist, they're laughing and chuckling. So, okay, you know, whatever. And then uh, it wasn't even a week later, the U.S. Army document came out. And I think a lot of people looked really stupid. Now, I mean, I already knew, you know, I mean, I've heard from multiple sources that this was coming and that there were other DOD documents floating around and one from the Navy and everything else. People, oh, you know, you, you got to confirm these things. And so even lately with the ICE document, I did talk to someone at, uh, you know, from DJI and they were like, oh, it's fake news. You know, you didn't call the guy up and, you know, ask him a bunch of questions about it. I'm like, you know, hey, man, you know. I've heard, I've talked to other people at DHS who've called me on the phone. I need names. I need numbers, you know. Well, you know, you work for a Chinese company. I have a top secret security clearance, okay? I don't know what to tell you. So this stuff's floating around, uh, you know, as well as um, the, the Ministry of Defense UK is rumored to have their own document. We know the Australian Army does. And, yes, you know, people are uh, in these uh, groups are still buying, Um they're using it as target practice and other things, but uh, this is not a conspiracy theory. Even the ICE document, they've tried to debunk it, but, uh, you know, if it was an isolated incident, maybe you could say, oh, well, you know, wow, that was out of left field or whatever. But with these other documents and everything else and what's going on, uh, I think it's hard to to dismiss it out of hand. And and Pat, one thing to say right off the bat is that, you know, the, the folks that are doing the PR, they're not educated on these matters that they're discussing. Um, and they're, they're not forensics experts. They're not security experts. So a lot of the commentary that you hear them giving to the press is just stuff that they're parroting back from somebody else in the company. Um, so, you know, there's, there's lots of conversations that are, again, held around subject matter that, that people don't understand. Um, so the things that you see in the press, uh, and, and the things that you see employees of specific companies saying, uh, they don't necessarily, you know, represent reality. Um, and, and probably what's more accurate is that reality is somewhere in between, um, you know, those, those crazy things that you've come up in your head um, and what the response from others. Well, you know, this is a situation where, you know, if we were talking about hair dryers or something, it'd be one thing as far as I'm concerned, you know, but this is something that can collect data. And I think that the responses, uh, not only do they make the, the company look, um, I don't, I don't want to get too heavy here, but, you know, they make, the, let's say the optics are bad. 
going on a full frontal assault on the on the federal government. Uh, that's I don't know who told them that was a good plan, but that's not a good plan. And not only does it make them look bad, but it makes us as a community look bad. I think. What it, you know, David? What, what do you think? I am trying to walk a very careful line here for a variety of reasons. Um, um, I sure. do believe that. <laughs> I do believe that um, DJI, um, in the way that they sell their product, and the capabilities that product has, and the lack of controls that they. Um, make available to the end user and some of their cybersecurity vulnerabilities, I think all those combined uh, pose a national security threat for the United States and a variety of other countries. I think it also bears keeping in mind that they are hardly the first uh, foreign firm and they certainly will not be the last foreign firm that has posed this sort of risk. Um, and that also other countries will look at some of our firms as posing similar sorts of risk, risk as well. So Google, for example, collects an enormous amount of information, as does Facebook and a lot of other firms. And it's really, I think Gene said this best, we have, the, the fundamental problem here is geopolitical. Um, and what we're looking at is just one aspect of that much larger geopolitical situation and resolving Indeed. it is going to take some very thoughtful conversations. And there's a certain amount of, you know, noise and fear and uncertainty and doubt that, you know, gets people interested in the conversation. But we really have to put a lot of that aside, gather some really good data, and look at this from a fact base and look at this from a very broad, as Gene said, geopolitical basis to really get at the heart of it. And that will help us come up with reasonable rational solutions rather than off the cuff, hey, let's go do this quick thing to make ourselves get elected next election. Hmm, sounds good. Rob? Well, uh, some people have asked me to uh, look into these Chicoms things uh, quite a long time ago, so uh, I've been aware of what's been taking place. And uh, moving forward, I would just say that the, the concerns are valid, and uh, people are trying to figure this out now at the, the highest levels of government. And uh, just to debunk a few things, um, I would heard probably around in September that um, there, there was paperwork waiting to uh, ban all DJI products. And I thought it was funny that they didn't ban all Chinese products, but uh, they specifically called out DJI stuff. And um, hmm. there there's some validity to the the paperwork just sitting there now that there's, um, I, w I would say people, interested parties in the military and government um, want exactly this case. So, you know, the, you can call us conspiracy theorists if you like, but I'd rather, I tend to believe the government versus uh, Chinese drone salesmen. So. Well, and I, and I will say from the, uh, uh, let's say, intelligence people that I've talked to and law enforcement people that I've talked to, um, and I've talked to a few, you know, and they're basically, hey, uh, we're going to, uh, you know, side with the intelligence community, you know, be cautious. I will say that uh, DJI, if uh, I was advising them, I would have advised them to hire some third-party um 
forensic foes, some SMEs, whatever else. And I would have nipped this right in the bud and say, we're not doing this. Because I've said all along, I mean, I, I, have, you know, I have no idea what data is being collected and stored. I mean, I, I'm not an expert in that field. But if I worked for them, that would have been uh, job number one. And I would have gone out and done whatever I could and explained it and, and dealt with the situation, again, with some third-party verification and said, here's really what's going on. And this is how it works. And yada, 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 and instead they just kind of dug their heels in and uh, kind of tried to attack people who bring anything up about it. I just don't think that's going to work. I mean, when you look at the news stories that are going around the globe on this stuff, I, I, I just don't think that that's the uh, the best policy. But that's, that's you know, my opinion. What do I know? Yeah. Anybody want to Pat, comment so, on that? Yeah, so, so this is David, um, and speaking from somebody who's done – cybersecurity audits for large corporations um, in the past, I will say that I absolutely agree with you that if DGI hired a very reputable firm and said, okay, we really need you to come in and conduct a very thorough audit of all of our products and help us identify the issues, help us be transparent about where we have got problems, that would be phenomenally beneficial for them in the long run. I also know that based on DGI's past performance and also just the performance of Chinese firms in general, their ability to be that transparent with a third-party auditor, no matter how much legal wrapping they put around it, um, they, they would be very challenged to open up enough to a third-party auditor for that third-party auditor to actually come out and say publicly, yes, this is exactly what they are or are not doing, and here's why we believe it. DGI just can't be that transparent, even with that third-party auditor. And, Pat, I was just there. Uh, I was trying to be really careful with what I said uh, with regards to what was coming out in the press and only speak about factual data points. Um, but, sure. if, but if you look about a lot of the things that were said, there's a lot of reality in the accusations that have been made. Um, you know, one of them, for example, is that people were concerned about their data privacy. Well, during mm -hmm. the bounty program, I found unencrypted data. I found passports. I found flight logs. I found other sensitive stuff. So, you know, that right there kind of confirms some of those concerns for me. Um, there were also hot patching mechanisms that we found in their application as we looked into why somebody might think that DJI Go was malicious or could be malicious or could be used to spy on you. Um, and those hot patches really were kind of all bets off. You can do whatever you want with those. Um, their lack of control of their employees, uh, they've, they've pretty well confirmed the rogue actions of their employees twice now. First, when they found the SDKs that enabled the hot patching after um, our group pointed them out, uh, and secondarily, when they supposedly fired employees for leaving uh, stuff on GitHub and AWS. I mean, that was a pretty scathing PR release that they wrote about their own internal lack of control of their own property. Uh, and then in the ICE document, there was mention of, I think, malicious behavior against uh, some of their competitors. Uh, they called it like dumping behavior, I believe. And mm -hmm. I can tell you from own research that I've seen corroboration in some of that story as well. Uh, last year, I had done some research into a group called Drone Inner, 
and they seem to have slanted pro-DJI commentary and anti one of the big competitors of DJI commentary. And the content was very specific uh, to that type of narrative. And I tracked this back to a specific employee named Leo Lee, uh, who was a web developer at DJI. Um, and he was involved in pushing out coupons and, and other stuff like that. Uh, there's also what appears to be a, a pile of fake Facebook profiles used for data mining uh, that ties back to DJI. Um, so, you know, again, when you look at all these statements that have been made and these accusations that have been made, uh, maybe what we're looking at in the ICE report is something like the telephone game where the data has been it as it's been told. Um, mm-hmm. But when you add all this stuff up together – there is a lot of stuff that can be corroborated. It, it sucks that there's a lot of stuff that may be uh, a little bit inflammatory embedded within it, but there's definitely some legit stuff there from what I can tell. Well, and this goes and, back you know, to – well, go ahead, Gene. You go ahead. Well, I was going to say this is not the first time that something like this has happened from Chinese manufacturers either. Because we went through the whole deal. I, I think uh, perhaps it was either uh, Dave or Rob mentioned – that uh, there were other products out there, such as security cameras and smart TVs that had wireless access that were doing much the same thing. And there really also, wasn't I much mean, said about that because, you know, you don't throw a, a security camera 400 feet in the air and fly it around critical infrastructure, nor you do you do your TV that way. So it's, it's not that this is unusual or that it's anything. It, it's a trend. It's, we've seen it before in the past. We've also, I mean, when IBM sold ThinkPads over to China, um, we now had a Chinese manufacturer making laptops from the ground up, um, and that caused a great amount of national security concerns. We also had Chinese networking gear manufacturers, and, you know, similar issues arose around them. So this is not the first time, and it's not the last time, and DGI certainly is behaving in ways that we don't like, some of this is just pure competitive, you know, nature, and it's hard. You know, they are certainly behaving badly in that regard, but so are an enormous number of other people. That doesn't mean we should forgive them. Um, they need to be held accountable. Um, but let's just keep things in perspective as well. Well, two things that you said there that I wanted to flash back on, and one of them, uh, David, you said earlier, saying you know, that uh, people in the government didn't really understand these technologies. So, you know, when I read the ICE document at first, I was like, eh, in facial recognition, uh, you know. Some of the stuff, yeah, sounds a little outlandish, but, you know, again, some of the, uh, let's say, features on the app, you know, follow me, whatever else, and, and, and you know, get a little box around somebody's face or something, I could definitely... Uh, easily make the stretch from people I've talked to in government for somebody to misconstrue that as facial recognition or locking onto people's faces or whatever, you know? Well, and I, I can uh, tell you, for example, data that's stored on the Spark on the file system that relates to the data that OpenCV collects. So that could be where that statement came from. Um, so, yeah, it, again, there, there's a lot of things, like I said, that if you look at them differently, uh, there, there may be some corroboration there. And that was one I forgot to mention specifically was the, the facial recognition. Well, I mean, I'm just going to say this is like, again, if this, you know, dice document came out of nowhere and it was like the first, you know, 
oh my God, did you see what they're saying here? You know, but when you have all of the other, um, let's say things that have kind of come out in the past and some of the things that, uh, you know, the, the Slack group had found and whatever else, um, you know, you gotta, you gotta start asking yourself uh, questions. I mean, it's just foolish not to. The other thing that uh, David said that I want to hit on is the accountability thing. You know, I've heard so many people say, oh, well, you know, they're a Chinese company, and that's what Chinese companies do. And I say, well, you know, if you see bad behavior, yeah, you usually say, hey, you know, that's bad behavior, and I'm not going to associate with people that do that, you know. Uh, the other thing is, is you know, going back to whatever is being collected, and what I, you know, I, again, I don't know. But I tell people that have websites that are doing, you know, critical infrastructure or whatever else services they want to do, you should probably have a data security statement on your website just to cover yourself, you know, to say, hey, you know, as soon as it leaves here, I don't know, you know. Uh, did anybody agree with that or disagree with that idea? Oh, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, that's one of the things that I recommend to, well, recommend to all our clients, but we recommend to public safety agencies, everybody, is that you need to have policy and procedures around all this sort of stuff. And so if you identify DGI as being a potential risk to your operation in some manner, you know, figure out some way of mitigating that risk or ensuring against it or avoiding it. Um, and that applies to whether you're using Chinese-sourced webcams or networking equipment or whatever. It's like educate yourself be aware of the risks, be aware of the ways you can mitigate those risks, write up good policy on it, and make sure that policy is actually implemented and audited. Well, I'd, uh, I'd agree with that. Um, anybody else want to comment on that? Rob, you've been kind of, kind of quiet. I've been quiet by design today, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, you know, that's just, that's not that's uncharacteristically like you to be so quiet. Oh, uh, well, uh, things are things are getting tighter, I'll just say that, you know, um look for more surprises in the future folks from the conspiracy bin. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh okay, well, you know, uh, that's something to look forward to. All right, well, you know, um any I would like closing? to ask Yeah, go ahead, closing uh, comments on that topic. Keep, keep, keep in mind that um, you do opt in to give certain companies data. And mm-hmm. I don't think that many companies make statements on what they do with that data after you've given it to them from an opt-in standpoint. Um, they may say that they value your privacy or they value your security, um, but that doesn't mean that they won't mind the data that you've given to them voluntarily, even if you accidentally right. give some of that. Well, and it, and that kind of goes for everybody. Um, there's a saying out here in Silicon Valley that, like, you know, if something's free, then you're the commodity. <laughs> and, yep. uh, you know, uh, there was a lot of stuff. You know, they just this voice recognition stuff. I mean, I don't know, even the, the Apple iPhone with the facial recognition thing. I mean, if, you know, uh, I'm, 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 you know, danger, Will Robinson, danger, you know. Um, I don't really... Although who knows, I'm probably all are from off of Facebook. I'm, mean, you know, they got me coming and going. Who knows? But when really, when you sit down and you start thinking about this stuff, you know that you're like making jokes with your friends on online forums. 
and uh, people are collecting all this data about you. It's kind of a um, scary thing, but, you know, whatever. Um, all right, so then, you know, I want to move on to the last one, which is the, um, let's say, private-public rulemaking. And this was, this was another one that, uh, and I'm sure you guys uh, know this about me, I've been kind of beating the drum about the private-public rulemaking process, and, you know, you had uh, the cabal, and there's definitely a cabal. There there are people that are out there that are massaging the message. That was one thing I did want to talk about, um, you know, and I forgot about, Kevin, when you were talking about uh, the dumping and all the rest of that stuff. There There is actively um, people that are getting paid to write pro stories about certain companies, about the drone industry, again, going back to the 250% year-to-year growth. Um the 250% year-to-year growth, even the 40 or the 100 or the 82 billion or 124 billion and the rest of all of that is nonsense. If you you know you can't have that kind of growth and see a company like 3DR lose 125 million, Parrot lose 100 million, uh, you know Intel gave unique 60 or 70 million that just nobody knows what happened to it just evaporated. Those kind of losses do not suggest a 250% uh, year growth, year-to-year growth, or even 100% or whatever else, or support the numbers of, uh, um, uh, of drones in the NAS and things like that. And I did want to flash back on that. But I do think that there's a little bit of a, um, let's say, a false narrative going on out there. We talked a little bit about a, the big companies thinking that there's tons of money here. Um, and I think that that kind of plays into the private public rulemaking because, you know, when you look at the people that are on the DAC and you listen to what was on the DAC, I went to the DAC meeting in February, and I will say that I cannot believe that they are making the same assumptions um, 10, 12 years later and, and then still saying, oh, well, we need more data on this. Yeah, we, we, we have to have data. We have the test sites. We had a mandate. We were supposed to have integration in 2015, and we don't have that. And what we do have is a musical chair system of new people at the FAA, new people in the different standards groups, new businesses coming in here. And the thing that really, you know, let's say steams my clams is that it's a private process. Oh, we don't have enough room for everybody. Oh, well, you know, we don't really know what's going on in the task groups because, you know, that's private. They don't have to keep notes and yada, yada. And, and you know, I, I went on a letter writing campaign back and forth with the FAA. How does this sound like openness and transparency to you when I can't even, as, as somebody that's going to be affected by this, these, uh, possibly affected by the chit-chat that's going on in the task group, you know, how, I, I don't have a right to know what's going on in there because you don't have consensus? Anybody else, Gene, you want to add to that? You mean after all of my trials and tribulations with the three-letter agency, you want to ask my opinion on that? Okay. Well, I'll give it I to will. you. Oh, okay. Well, I thought you were going to be like, God, everything's great. Go ahead. <laughs> no, actually, you know, we won't comment on business management skills and the way some people go through the uh, the dollars in the millions. But uh, I think it really boils down to follow the money. I mean, it, it really does, because now we've got players in there that talk about dollars in the Bs and maybe even the Ts for billions and trillions. Uh, and, and that's what it takes. 
to, to get that sort of legislation done. As you and I both know, it took 10 years to get Part 107 done when back in the day, February 13th, 2007, to be exact, is when they came out with the great clarification that grounded everybody from flying a drone. And if you'll recall, we were very heavily involved with RCAPA, and uh, RCAPA was uh, engaging in weekly conversations with the FAA. And we were told then, guys, don't get your panties in a wad, because this is going to six months, eight months down the road, it's all going to be cleared up, and you guys are going to be flying, so just relax. But it took... 10 years to get Part 107 done. A day that will live in infamy. That's it. Moving at the speed of government, you got got to have a lot of money to keep up with the snail's pace that they move at. So there you go. My statement is follow the money. The big one. So you're you're on the racing snail. Kevin, any any points? I know you're not really a political guy, but, you know, any thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, those, those, those Closed groups, again, kind of cater to that stuff I was mentioning earlier about the lack of actual subject matter experts. And, you know, you just wind up with an echo chamber of the commentary and, you know, people hammering out whatever they imagine in their head, basically. Um, so I, I think more would be better uh, for, for obvious reasons. Um, I, I suggested, for example, on the drone ID thing that they should have put out uh, a public RFC, uh, which is kind mm-hmm. of the standard or uh, other internet protocols and things to get uh, hammered out publicly. And I was invited to join the committee uh, that was working on the project. And I forget how many thousands of dollars it was to join and, you know, the mandatory places I need to be. It was just completely unrealistic. Um, So, yeah, I I think a different process might be a little bit more fruitful um, in different ways uh, that don't apply to somebody's uh, monetary concerns. Well, and I, you know, I have a plan for that, too. Being a veteran <laughs> of the standards group uh, wheel of suffering, you know, and I, I do say this for um, clarification purposes because people are like, don't beat up on the standards group. But me and Gene, you know, 12 years of experience with these guys, you know. Um, and I will say the other thing, and I heard another, there's another standards group is going to work on drone standards. To the best of my knowledge, and this has been going on now for at least 12 years, okay, uh, with the standards groups that no standards have been adopted by any CAA in the, in the world uh, about drones, okay? So uh, it's telling me that there's a problem there. And people say that when I was on the deal, I was very uh, vociferous, and I would say, hey, you know, this, this isn't going to work, and this is BS, and, oh, God, that, you know, that, that Egan guy's a flamethrower, or worse. And I would just say, hey, look, I don't have, you know, 20 years to sit here and chit-chat around the cracker barrel about stuff that's going to happen. So, you know, I, I have a small business guy. Uh, just so some of the things that you were saying, Kevin, you know, if, if your employer is going to sponsor you and say you work for like Northrop Grumman or Boeing or something, and you're like, they're like, well, the timeline on this is 20 years. I'm like, cool. You know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to be thinking about my next trip my golf bag, whatever else you guys do, whatever you want to do. I'm going to milk this one. I'm going to make a career out of it. That's, that's totally different from some guy who's going to these things either on his own nickel or, you know, the nickel of a small business. Very, very hard to do. Um, David, your, your thoughts on the public private rulemaking process. 
I will simply state that it, it, like many other aspects of a regulatory environment, uh, will benefit greatly from a lot more transparency where the public can stay informed of the progress as it goes along, and then they have an opportunity to feedback through their representatives and having more representatives that represent a broader spectrum of the environment is certainly beneficial, then that process becomes healthier. There's a, there's a much larger dialogue. Uh, we're not waiting six months, years for some report to come out that immediately tanks and, you know, goes away. Um, that, that it's, it's got to be transparent. I'd concur with that. Rob, any comments here? Uh, yeah, the uh, the aviation uh, public rulemaking process is uh, quite different from the drone making, and uh, I don't believe the two will ever mix in a correct environment. There's been talk of uh, peeling drones away, all these uh, separate issues that involve drones really slow down aviation. Um, I want to remind people that uh, you know the airlines. I don't even know. Probably, I'd probably say like a quarter or two have made uh, more money than drones has ever made. Um, so they're they're much more of a priority um, for the FAA than uh, the, the drone people. The drone people are a lot of flash and bang, but they don't produce much, um, and, and that's a shame. And it's because uh, they chose poor leadership early, and uh, have failed too many times, and they don't listen to uh, their constituents, the users. Um, you know, uh, the West Coast is really far removed from Washington, so it's hard for them to wrap their head around um, how stuff works here. Um, you know, so just so many problems. You ask other people from other industries and tell them about these things, they say that it's just crazy. You know, it makes no sense to us. So, and well, then uh, lastly, I'll say uh, the um, I, I do know people that own a very large share of the uh, aviation infrastructure, and uh, they're not too impressed with uh, the, the current batch and the preceding batch of uh, drone lobbyists and working groups, and I know that they're working on uh, solutions that don't involve them anymore. So uh, I would say look for your leadership changes coming around the corner. <laughs> I would concur with that. And, you know, the second WAPO story, um, you know, it was the knocked again. The panel was knocked for a lack of transparency and poor management. Um, I thought this, and, and earlier I kind of talked about this too, with the drone pilot program, there was a letter from San Francisco Mayor uh, Edwin Lee. And, you know, he did not, believe that uh, the, the, the management of the RTCA was, was good. Um, there was, it wasn't inclusive. There was a broad participation. And, and I think it goes back to what I had mentioned before, is you have a group of people in there who, hey, my product is going to be, and this isn't just drone manufacturers, but you've got other people that have ancillary products or cell phones or whatever. Um, you know, my product is going to be the holy grail that's going to make all of this happen. We need to do it this way. Um, you know, there was, there, I know there was controversy over the idea of local law enforcement enforcing the FARs and then local municipalities being able to make their own rules and, you know, everything else. And it, it kind of goes back to the uh, cell phone UTM thing. You cannot, let's say, bust open the door to different industries and say, hey, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut you in on something here. 
So an $82 billion industry and your technology might be something that could be used here or at the League of Cities. Hey, you know, you guys could get in on this. And I'm going to tell you what, when you guys are enforcing the fires, you're going to get to keep the fines. And, you know, of course, everybody's having uh, sugar plum dreams and all the rest of that stuff. You get them in here. They get around the table. They start discussing this stuff. And you go, oh, yeah, well, you know, I'm only cutting you in for what I say goes. You don't have any say in any of this. You know, but we're, we're going to throw you some table scraps. And then people that come to the table are like, what, are you crazy? I'm here now. And, I, you know, we want this and we want to participate in this. So you can't have it both ways. I think that's what's going on here. Um, you know, and, and I do have to two, – two disclaimers. People ask me if I wrote the WAPO stories. I did not write the WAPO stories. I, I did, for full disclosure, I talked to the reporter back in May or June. I said, something's going on over here. I will say that I think somebody is, is maybe following the Twitter feed or reading my stories. I also have to disclaim, you know, in the ICE document, there were, you know, unnamed sources People have asked me, were you the unknown source? No, I was not the unknown or unnamed source in the ICE document. And I just needed to disclose that before going back to uh, asking about any comments, closing comments on this subject. So I made that disclosure. Anyone have any closing <laughs> comments we don't on that subject? You. Well, I know. Well, you know me a long time, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I believe you, Patrick. I believe you. Uh, you know, these right. guys, I think, uh, really, once you point them in the right direction, uh, they, they do their own investigation. They see it. I, I've done that a couple of times with reporters. Just so, you know, go look over here. Uh, they do their jobs, and, you know, if their editor is looking for something that is like that, then they'll get it. Well, the next one I would get ready for is uh, Lance. Uh, people are asking why we need Lance when we have flight services over there at one eight hundred wxbrief dot com, which is a really good question. Works tested one checkbox away from the whole Lance thing. We're, we're you know doing a whole new wheel, but that's not a conspiracy theory yet. That's been debunked. That's going to have to wait for twenty eighteen. Last one that I want to hit because we did run a little long, but I don't care because the conversation's uh, really good is um turns out they sure did some work and drones are not birds after all gene your comments on birds and drones <laughs> uh were they frozen or unfrozen you know i don't know is it an unladen european swallow or a uh, african <laughs> swallow <laughs> yeah i mean you know we we've all been kind of trying to get the uh the scientific approach going on it. And I think they're finally starting to, to take that uh, seriously now. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a pilot. I get it. And, you know, I don't want to run into one in my Cessna 172 at all, anywhere, anyway, even I don't care if it's a Mavic. I don't want to run into it at all. I'd rather be kept separate from them. But, uh, you know, we do have to do the science to figure out just exactly how bad it's going to my day when uh, I do. So there you go. All right, Kevin, any, any, any comments on birds? Uh, I mean, if you could see my screen, you'd see a, a sample size meme up here. Um, I, I, I like to, I, I'd like to see more tests 
and like to see more transparency on how the tests were performed and keep doing these things. I think you and I have both asked uh, a number of times over the years for more things like this. Sticker. I think we even joked at one point about starting a Kickstarter campaign uh, to do one ourselves. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't have anything to say other than I'm glad somebody's actually putting more stuff on paper and hopefully we get to see more stuff like that um, to corroborate the claims. I concur. David? Uh, I'm an engineer. I've been doing digital forensics for, uh, I've lost track of how long now. Uh, so I am all about, let's collect good data. Uh, let's share that data so other people can look at it. Let's do peer review. And then let's start making regulation, decision-making, all the rest of it based on that really sound data, peer review, and discussion rather than, hey, maybe this thing will happen or maybe this thing won't happen. So I'm all in favor of it. I concur with that. You know, regulations based on science. Rob? Yeah, and uh, I'm a pilot, and I don't want to run into one of these drones one day. And I would say that uh, birds inherently don't want to get hit either. So um, they they have a natural ability to try to avoid aircraft. And uh, I'm, when I'm flying and I see a bird or something, uh, you know, we're supposed to pull up because they're going to dive down. And if you pull up into the right, then uh, I, I forget what the percentage is, but it's a high percent that you can avoid a collision. Now, if your ends had something like that, that would be okay, but... From the, a couple of folks I've met, two or three folks in my travels that I'm pretty certain um, got really close to some trends. And they were, um, the one flight was moving in excess of 200 miles an hour. I, I pretty much doubt there's much you could do at that point. And uh, it, was, it was in high altitude conditions, so uh, that makes it even more uh, difficult for the pilot standpoint to try to maneuver. And uh, they actually told me that, you know, there wasn't any chance of maneuver. That they saw it and it was over with. Um, it only takes a second. Well, those are, you know, some of the things that you have to think about, too, when you're flying along, uh, you know, the speed that you're traveling at and if the drone's traveling and the closing speed and yada, yada. A lot of things to take into consideration. The only thing that I will, and this is, this is one thing that really, uh, again, the, the clams get steamed, is when you have pro-drone people going, oh, well, pfft, you know, so the drone goes into the turbine and, and you bust a few fins. Big deal. You know, uh, I always say, look, don't say anything like that around aviation people. All right. Do yourself a favor because you're going to you remember those old like Bugs Bunny cartoons when you would turn and uh, you did the Elmer Fudd or whatever to have like a donkey head on and it'd say jackass. That's what you look like. Because anyone that flies for a living and you're like, oh, well, you know, so there's a fire in one engine. Big deal. (laughs) It's like, you know, who's been on a commercial flight when there's turbulence? I mean, there's, you know, there, people oh, yeah. get really upset. And so when you look out the window and there's a fire out there, you know, some folks are going to get a little upset. Am I, am I right or am I wrong on this? Should, should you be quiet or should you make an ass out of yourself? What do you think? Gene? I scream like a nine-year-old girl when things start going up and down. But, you know, I, no, <laughs> I, I, uh, I generally tend to be the one that uh, is telling people it's going to be okay. The wings always flex that way. It's all right. So, um, you know, <laughs> it's just a matter of education, right? 
<laughs> yeah, but I mean, I, I just, you know, saying that to people like uh, in the aviation, that is no big deal. I don't, I don't think that's a way to win friends. That's me. No, it's, I if, could be. if you want to tell somebody in aviation that it's no big deal, you better yourself be in aviation and know for a fact from your own experience that it's no big deal. And I generally don't get steamed, particularly publicly, but I get really bent out of shape when somebody who has no aviation experience tells me uh, that, you know, when my drone runs into your helicopter, it's really not going to be a problem. You know, either you shouldn't be flying there, you're not allowed to be flying there, or, you know, it's not going to hurt you or anything like that. It's like I actually had a seagull impact a windshield of a jet ranger I was flying, and, you know, we survived it. You know, we had to clean the windshield up but I also had to clean some other things up. And if somebody wants to believe that's no big deal, they can come fly with me the next time we run into something like that. And then, then we can have a conversation. Well, and, and there's also, you know, the, what happens when humans get shaken or stressed, um, you know, and there have been issues uh, where I think it was that flight in Taiwan or wherever they lost, in, uh, the, you know, they're in there, the crew's freaking out, and they shut the wrong engine down, and it crashed. So I think before you say stuff like that, you should really check yourself uh, against people who were, let's say, do it for a living. But, you know, I don't want, I don't, you know, I don't want to sound preachy. I'm just saying if you don't want to look, um, let's say, bad, you know, you may want to watch it. Okay, so, you know, I'm through all my questions, and I'm going to ask you guys, is there, is there anything I missed Gene, <laughs> I I know that you've tried to talk a lot in the last hour, but I guarantee you, there's more than an hour's worth of conversations that we need to have about how policy is made, how drones are being flown, about how they should be used in all these different and various fields. So, yeah, there's a lot that you've missed, Patrick, and we've got all next year to work on it. So think about that. <laughs> All right. Uh, Kevin, was there anything that you wanted to talk about that I missed? I'm reaching, but I got nothing, brother. <laughs> All right. We got it good. Okay, David. Oh, my favorite issue that I've been talking privately with a bunch of people about is that more of the counter UAS vendors should make uh, some of their units available purely from a identification and detection phase. Um, you know, you put a, a couple CUAS detection units over some municipality that's trying to figure out whether they have a problem or not, you know, let them gather some data. Let them see whether people really are or are not flying drones in places where somebody believes that they should not be flown. And, again, you know, gather some data and then have a conversation between the regulators, legislators, and the public based on actual data. It's also a good marketing tool. You know, demonstrate that your product works in that mode and, uh, you know, benefit the community at the same time. Uh, I would agree with that. We haven't talked about it, you and I, but uh, I have been actually talking to some other vendors uh, about just that thing. Uh, and actually not only, um, you know, just drones, but also aircraft that are flying like VFR and at low altitude. Um, and I want to do this in San Francisco, 
because I think we need to figure out what's going on. Somebody said earlier, oh, oh, you know, that helicopter's not supposed to be there, or that float plane's not supposed to be there, that sightseeing flight is not supposed to be there. But you know what? And I'm sure you guys are probably learning this too. Um, they are there, like it or not. Well, I, and, uh, I, I used to fly out of Reed Hillview. I used to fly out of Oakland. I flew all over the bay, down the coast, down to Monterey. And I paid a lot of attention to exactly where I was flying, when I was flying, how I was flying. And I had people say, hey, you know, we saw a helicopter go by illegally the other day. And it's like, no, I suspect it really wasn't illegal. Um, A, you know, and I I really try to be polite about it. I try to say, here's the actual regulation. um, And here's depth perception. Here's a lot of other factors that go into it. But, you know, you know, flight aware and things like that do help that conversation. Where did the flight actually go? Okay, now we can talk about policy and whether the policy is correct, but the pilot was actually doing what the pilot was allowed to do. Do you disagree with that decision? Sure, but look at the policy, look at the law. All right, well, and I really, you know, I mean, it's one of those things is, you know, I think a lot of people talk about absolutes and, you know, again, talking out of their hat because they don't know what they're talking about. And who's where and what's going on. So that, I would agree with you that that needs to be determined. We have to figure that out. And again, you know, the drone community or even the counter drone community, which I think is part of um, that community, needs to come together and, uh, you know, help figure these things out. Rob, did I miss anything? Yeah, let's see. Um, 2018 Airworthiness is coming up in March. So uh, just when all you guys thought you got everything figured out, then we got this real complex issue coming up that costs a lot of money. So uh, be prepared for that one. And it's not like we haven't been telling people since we saw the FAA slide some two years ago that this was coming. Oh, I think it wasn't it 2014 when they accidentally let the cat out of the bag? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they let the cat out of the bag. All right, I'm going to do this. Uh, we pretty much put a wrap on it. We went way long, but it doesn't matter. Uh, Gene, where website where people could find out what you're doing? www.dronepilot.io. Kevin, if people want to get in touch with you or follow you on Twitter or whatever, where, where would they find you? Uh, my personal website, digitalmunition.com. I haven't updated it in forever. Um, there, there is a link to uh, my bounty findings uh, that, that you can find on that website, though. And Twitter, I'm dot slash with a zero. Old dirty dot slash. I have a lot <laughs> of fun with you guys. Uh, David, where would people find out what you're doing? Uh, I am at DCKOV as in Victor AR on Twitter. And what we're doing is at www.ursasecure, U-R-S-A-S-E-C-U-R-E.com. All right. And, uh, Rob, where would people uh, hear your OG stylings? <laughs> you can look for some, uh, <laughs> some, some thoughtful memes and some harsh critiques on Twitter at uh, Learn to Fly VA and uh, also um, – I'm the co-founder of the uh, CUAS Coalition, and you can find that at CUASCoalition.org. All right, and then if you know you can't get enough of this uh, funky stuff, you can. Uh, I'm at the Drone Dealer on Twitter, or you can read some of my, uh, you know, 
witty and enlightening editorial comments at SUAS News. I'd like to thank everyone for being on. Uh, I thought it was a great conversation, and, uh, you know, it's always I like to talk to experts, and uh, I feel like I, I learned a lot here today. <clears throat> I hope we, uh, we all learned a lot. I want to thank everyone for coming on. So, uh, Gene, thanks for being on. You bet. Thank you, Patrick. Kevin, as always, it's a ton of fun. Thank you. <laughs> You're so subdued. <laughs> David, thank you for being on, sir. Thank you, sir, and thank you to the rest of the panelists as well. Very much enjoyed it. Rob? Thank you very much. All right, you guys, have a good day. Till next time, everyone. Um, you know, what do you usually say, Gene, about keeping it out of the alfalfa or something? Yeah, keep keep the stick back and the nose out of the alfalfa. <laughs> All right. <Wait> on. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Hello, it is Ryan And I was on a flight the other day Playing one of my favorite social spin slot games On ChumbaCasino.com I looked over the person sitting next to me And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.